Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back, listener. How are you? And I'm glad you had a good week. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we talk about issues in the blindness community. Um, Tonight I'm joined uh, by a very special guest, uh, someone who likes to call herself Casper, has joined (laughs) our our podcast. We, um, this is someone that I do not know in life. Uh, We met on basically a live streaming app of the sorts. It's kind of like um, live streaming, but just uh, audio, you know? Um, So that's basically how I met Casper. Casper, why don't you get into telling our listeners about yourself and what you want us to know? And, you know, how did, let's start with, how did you become blind, by the way? Were you born blind or is this something you have dealt with later on in life? I was born with blindness as well as being born hard of hearing. Okay. Yes, so I technically I am deaf blind with some remaining hearing and residual eyesight. Okay, understood. Um, And uh, what did you tell our our listeners about, you know, your maybe early life or the the things that you did uh, growing up? Tell tell some stories for us. Oh. Um, I was, I'm a years old and, uh, basically I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I went to mainstream school, even though I lived really close to Perkins school for the blind mm-hmm. and the local training center for the blind in Newton, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, like my, my entire academic career was mainstream, um, I finally uh, attended my first training center for the blind in 2014 and attended my second and last training center for the blind in 2015. Um, I devoted 10 years of, uh, 10, well, 10 years, 10 months of my life to get some comprehensive intensive training from one of the oldest organizations for the blinds training sites. And amid that training experience, I realized I began to go deaf, like even more Mm. at a training center for the blind. (laughs) Um, By then I did not, by that time I didn't identify as deaf blind um, because I didn't really think much about it. But as things got more complex, I realized I am not your classic blind or visually impaired person, I am deafblind. And I took that with me as part of my experience. And after that, um, you know, I started trying to address my other disability that was really hard to ignore, um, 
So I started looking into taking sign language classes, uh, the Helen Keller way first. Um, and yeah, so I just, you know, I grew into, I grew into my identity as deafblind, you know, Casper being deafblind. Hmm. So, I mean, what, when you say identity, I think that's really important. Um, there's a lot, I've noticed in a lot of these various uh, blind groups that I'm on on Facebook, that there's a lot of questions about identity and about, you know, what it truly means to, to be blind and that, that there's different, you know, there's all these different opinions out there. So what can you tell us um, about the, basically the intersection or the combination between being someone who is both blind and, and deaf? Um, the difference is, you know, communication is different. You know, like when you are someone who is just, you know, living with just blindness on any level, you have your other senses you could rely on. You've got your hearing, you know, so you can listen for audio cues of like turning vehicles. Whereas when you are deaf blind, you don't belong in either the blind or the deaf community because they both point fingers at each other when it comes to you having experiencing both. So you're pretty much forced to create your own lane, you know, your own lane, which is pretty much all of the tiles of your own experiences from your past leading into your future. What is Casper's lane? Casper's lane consists of, you know, what happened in the past and what it's leading to in the future. And no one knows that experience until I tell them. Well, they don't know the story of my lane until I tell them. So tell, and, tell, tell a story. You know, tell, tell us an interesting story of your lane. <laughs> an interesting story of my lane. Um, from early on, I was a music enthusiast. Well, I am still. I really do appreciate music. And um, I really appreciate art, too. Art, which is a very visual thing. And music, which is a very you know, extremely hearing person thing, I would say. And with both of those senses compromised, I still can enjoy it with whatever's left of both my eyesight and my hearing. Um, so Casper once was fascinated with Snoop Dogg one day or one time in uh, 1997. And her music team asked her to sing her favorite song in school. And guess what happened? <laughs> um, I decided to get onto a table and started singing Snoop Dogg in front of the class early in the morning. And that included the explicit language too. And the students started once they heard it. And yeah, the teacher couldn't really get us in control. And he immediately regret asking students to sing their favorite song because after that Snoop Dogg <laughs> thing came out, everybody else started singing Snoop Dogg. 
that's okay that's 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 a good that's a good one see that's a good story that's funny that's funny yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah i don't think that teacher likes to ask you to sing um that teacher if still working which i doubt strongly doubt they're still working but if they are they probably have edited that part out of their lesson plan i mean before the days of Snoop Dogg, what were what were the favorite songs or what were good songs to sing before Snoop Dogg? Um, before Snoop Dogg, I was just pretty much walking around singing in vogue, never gonna get it all the time. And I drove my classmates crazy. <laughs> Do you, um, I'm, I'm not entirely familiar with that one. Do you wanna sing that one for us? In vogue with the popular line, never gonna get it, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is certainly, that is already annoying. That is already immense. <laughs> yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, I can see where this would, um, would create, would create a problem, would create some sort of an, an, an annoyance. That's, <laughs> that's a, that's a funny story. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, well, of course, I mean, Casper, you don't, you don't know me. I am so a little bit more about where I'm coming from. So I'm, I'm 29 years old mm -hmm. and, um, for personal reasons that have nothing to do with the podcast, I, uh, I live in some sort of an undisclosable location. Um, okay. that's, that's a whole nother story. Um, but I mean, I was mainstream too. I went to a mainstream public school and um, I mean, you know, my, my experience, overall, my experience was, you know, not, not that great. Um, there were a lot of challenges um, going through public school and I, I can't tell you what's really better. It's hard to say at one point I would have easily said it's better <laughs> it's better to just you know make make a blind child just go to a public school but then again there's a lot of problems in the public schools and then you can say well go to a school for the blind well then the philosophical problem with that is that it's not it's not how we're living in a in a public uh in a public sense you know i agree it's not, it's not how mainstream society works i have um I, I have observed that people who have been through, you know, schools for the blind, um, you know, tend to have some, some struggles and challenges later on in life. But then again, I think at this point, I think everybody has some level of struggle or some level of challenge, no, really, no matter who you are, really. Um, but yeah. Y yes, that is all, that is all all very interesting. And then, all right. So you went through public school, and then you went to university. In my case, I studied international relations. By the way, um, nice. Did you, did you? I wish I had studied education. I wish I had studied something else. It's painfully. It sounds interesting, but it's painfully boring, um, and then <laughs> amazingly boring. Um, and wh wh what about you? Do you want to tell us more about some interesting experiences you had um, through um, university and things like that? 
Sure. I studied visual arts with a minor in English. And you know, I think I think that's very ironic and very interesting for a blind person to study visual. <laughs> okay. So talk about that's a really interesting answer. So can you talk to our listeners more about an, an interesting or perhaps a controversial conversation you had with uh, I, with uh, an art teacher? Oh gosh, the art teacher and a blind student. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I had you know I had like I had slightly better vision back then, but it was never ever enough for me to even be considered able to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always you know visually impaired. Um, so the interesting experience was when my instructor asked me to draw something on a smaller structure mm. and I couldn't because I couldn't see it enough. And if I needed to see it, I needed to get very close. And because we were dealing with a lot of pointed objects, I often got yelled at a lot for having mm. mm-hmm. had my face right up to the thing. And so the accommodation for that was to use a larger space for my artwork. Um, with extra lighting and heavier lines instead of a really thin line which looked like nothing on the paper um, I got to I got away with using bigger lines because I legitimately couldn't see it Hmm. and it kind of you know it upset the instructor because it ruined the whole goal of what she wanted her students to accomplish but because I couldn't I physically couldn't see it there was no other way around it and I refused to let her tell me what I could and couldn't do. Right. Because she's not seeing anything through my eyes. You know, that's, that's Casper's view, you know. Hmm. Casper's view. That's, that's, that's what this episode, this episode is called Casper's view, by the way. I like that. I love that. <laughs> Casper's view. view. Yes. Yes. Or, or something else or, or, or Casper, the friendly teacher. But, oh yeah, the, yeah, that, it can go either way. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good cast for the friendly teacher. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean that's that interests me. Um, I should have what I should have studied is is ed- education because that's you know my job. When I'm not podcasting, I'm a teacher. I teach English as a second language online. And, awesome. And, and that's really amazing for me. That's a real, that's a really cool opportunity. Um, so I wish that I had studied education. Probably the truth is if I had studied education, I wouldn't be working in education is, is probably the truth of that. You know, <laughs> you, if, you know, but who, who knows really, who knows? So, all right. So can you talk more about some other experiences at this university oh, studying art Those and things like that? Um, I got banned from That's going into the black room for photography because uh, on the first day, uh, there was a little mishap that happened. So the room was so dark that the entrance to that black room for photography literally looked like a black door. And me being me, myself with low vision, I walked towards there and I wasn't sure if there was a door there or if it was just an open space. So I took my chances and I walked forward and I face planted into the wall that was beyond the door. 
and the teacher, the director of visual arts freaked out. And she said, you're gonna have to do digital photography where you're outside in the computer lab under all the light and you won't have to have any interactions with the black room because you know, there's people's artwork developing in there. And if you turn on the light, you can ruin the artwork. So it was because I couldn't see inside the room, like nothing at all. The other students, of course, were sighted. So they can see some of whatever was in there. And I was the only one that was barred from going in there. That was immediately put down. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I was okay with that. Hmm. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. You know, one of the things that I have found to be true in life is that when you, unfortunately, when we have a, some sort of a disability, there are always going to be things that we have to decide what to make an issue of and what to let go of. And that's really difficult. Um, you know, knowing when to just sort of go about your business, not make an issue, and then knowing when to, you know, make an issue of it or, or complain. Hard to say, hard to say. I mean, I don't know if I would have complained because I'm not interested in art. So it's, I mean, I understand the situation. It's hard for me to relate to that, you know, because mm -hmm. I, that's not, you know, that's not my, my expertise, but um, that's, that is really interesting. So, I mean, how would that work with students like, create artwork in there and then just put it in that room without the light? Like, can you try to explain it a little bit more? Okay, so the black room or the dark room, which is an old school method um, that is used to develop black and white photography and negatives and things like that. And those types of photos require a certain liquid to be saturated in, like tubs of liquid to go in there and they hang under like supposedly they hang under these really bright red lights in order to create the certain style that you want um, these are colorless photos uh, once you take them it comes out completely blank like there's nothing on it and then when you put it in the solutions i guess they develop and become whatever it was you took a picture of and that's the old school fashion of developing photos um, that photography class did not believe in the quick, fast route. Uh, the instructor wanted their students to experience the manual labor of creating art so that they could have a better appreciation of a photo. Sure, sure. They wanted you to basically, under if, if there can be any analogy, they wanted you to basically bake from scratch and not just heat something up. Yes, they want. Right. Yeah, you pretty much had to work for what it is you whatever it is you set your mind to for creating things. Right, right. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I've never really spoken to anyone who has has a degree in photography. Um, but I but I guess that, you know, interests some people, I guess, if they want to maybe be a photographer or if they want to work for a magazine company or an art company, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or thing, things like that. So then you started taking these courses in digital art. Okay, so then, then what happened? Um, the digital format involved Mac computers and digital cameras, whereas the photos came out in color and you can use Photoshop and or Illustrator 
or Adobe, Adobe image and things like that to manipulate the photos with a computer yourself. So for myself, because I couldn't see the thing, like physically couldn't see it very well, I had the opportunity to change the contrast to, to my liking and or, you know, go through the whole process of adding whatever extra layers that I needed in order to be able to visually access and interact with things properly. Um, and I was okay with that, you know? I didn't want to mess up anybody's artwork in the black room anyway. So I was terrified, you know, some senior was probably working really hard on something. And here I go, just stumbling in there and knocking over a tub and ruining their senior thesis. Didn't want that on my hands. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess they would take their, their artwork and that would be their project. That would end their semester. And what, what years were you in university? Um, between 2008, actually 2007 oh. and uh, 211. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. All right. So it really wasn't that long ago. So I'm, I'm kind of, that's interesting that they were using a very, an old fashioned or a more um, drawn out method. That's yes. Right. Yes. That is, you know, those are the methods that I will never forget. Um, another thing I had, another experience I had with this very visual world um, was making books from scratch. Hmm. Okay, what is book that making? Mean? Okay, book making was basically how you would thread a book together um, and, you know, use the pages and use wax threading, you know, the book binding. I don't know if you've taken a print book before and explored it, like touch the bindings and feel where the threading met the pages and things like that some of those books from the older days were made by hand and I'm still able to produce a book by hand with um, some modifications to match my, my kind of vision loss. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Why would we want to produce a book by hand? What, what is the, how is that, um, how, how is that you, how is that useful? I guess. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but what's the use in creating a handmade book? What, what do you mean? The, um, well, there's a couple of reasons for creating a book by hand. One would be therapeutic uh, practices. Well, I should say the best practices for creating a book by hand. Uh, therapeutic, uh, keeping your hand uh, dexterity on, on point, being able to grasp small objects with your finger points and things like that and you know um your motor skills with with your you know, hand and eye coordination i guess hmm, okay um and you know other things you know now i can actually make a book from scratch for a braille book if i wanted to um and if you wanted to add a personal touch to it as a gift you can make a book from scratch for somebody um you know a journal book. Like I made a journal book to keep track of my experiences during the pandemic. Mm. So with that, I got to go back in my old school archives and whip out my skills, which I surprisingly found to be still pretty good under serious modifications though. If you work bigger, you can see better and with brighter light, you're good. <laughs> mm. All right. All right. So, um, 
what were some of the experiences that you wrote about in this handwritten book about the pandemic? As, as um, well, just pretty much, you know, put the time and like the date and time of which I wrote the book. And I just talked about buying uh, pizza from Domino's and what I ate and what the weather was that day. So somehow historians will find it and be like, hey, this person was eating some Domino's, you know, jalapenos and chicken Alfredo pizza. Mm, mm. <laughs> I would say that's delicious. My pizza, it is. <laughs> my pizza. No, no, no. There's a level above, level above that. You got to get the, you got to get the, the black olives, jalapenos and the sausage all together. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. But, but I will, I will disappoint you Casper, because what is, what is a podcast? What is an episode of Aaron's opinion without a tiny bit of disappointment. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> a, a, a historian might look at Casper's book and they might say, oh, wow, that, that, that girl, that lady, she didn't really have much to say if all she was talking about is pizza. That's pretty boring. But they might, they might say, <laughs> they might think that's really boring or they might say that's, that's pretty interesting. But then again, then again, um, yeah. I am someone who is fascinated by history. Um, so we still know what people ate thousands of years ago, uh, which is, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty interesting. If you're in, if you were asking me or you wanted to know, I'll tell you, they ate far more fish and berries and, and weeds and little plants than we actually think, you know, they ate some meat, but eh, they were more vegetarian and more into fruits thousands of years ago than, uh, than we had once. Sounds, sounds quite nutritious now, like. I yeah. mean, I, I would be the last to comment. I'm not an expert about it. There's a lot of, I mean, I was watching a particular program about it just, just the other day. There's a lot of debate in the archaeology community on were they truly healthier back then or were they just mentally a lot tougher to put up with that back then? Probably a combination of things. The people probably were tougher mentally and some of the things they ate probably were really good for them. Other things, just like today, were probably really horrible for them, but they still ate They still ate it. So who knows? <laughs> who, yes. who, who knows? I mean, people haven't changed much. So they probably had junk food or, or pleasure foods that they ate that they knew weren't good. You know, there was mm -hmm. weird, weird, weird things you learn on YouTube when you love history as I do. There was a, um, some sort of a fossil or, or archaeology or remains of some person and it showed that all of their all of their teeth were missing and wow. no, and nobody else in this particular village in this particular community nobody else um if i can find the video see i'm shooting myself in the foot if i can find the video again i'll send it to you don't worry i probably won't be able to find it but i'll try to i'll try <laughs> to on you know with youtube it's like it's like a, a a vortex of unearthing your archive and unearthing things that you think you saw if i find it again i'll send it back to you it was really well done in fact i reached out to this person um on youtube and said, hey come on over to aaron's opinion man because i have a lot of questions for him Anyway, to a, after I was just completely distracting myself, the, the fact is that they noticed that this particular archaeology site was in, I don't know, modern-day Saudi, modern-day Saudi Arabia or the, or the Middle East. And they discovered that what it was was that this particular woman also had a lot of sugar in her blood and, and in, her, in her DNA. Where did all of that oh. come from? Where did all of that come from? And then they discovered 
Now, do you know, can you take a guess on what it was that made her teeth fall Sugar out? Sugar canes. Precisely. They believe that she basically was a date addict, that she developed wow. an addiction to eating dates, and all she would eat is dates, apparently. That's what they theorized. And apparently, oh. she ate so many that the sugar and the dates rotted her teeth out. So, you know, you hear these little weird, little interesting stories. Um, but Domino's Pizza. Hmm. I don't know, listener. What do you think? Let's, <laughs> let's, have, let's have a poll out there. Let's poll the audience. You guys should comment below on YouTube or wherever you're listening and say, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Casper's book will be interesting in 100 years? Or, ah, uh, uh, we don't care that she ate pizza 100 years ago. That's a cool thing to think about. That, that is a cool thing to think about. I think, you know, for me as someone who has been working online for the past five years, um, I've already been used to staying at home. Um, I mean, you know, I had to go outside just a few minutes ago to get some fresh air with my brother because I've been inside so much. And I think that a, a lot of, I think that a lot of blind people um, feel very frustrated now, even more so than ever. But really the only thing we can do is try to keep up with our careers, try to have a podcast, you know, try to maintain some sort of a documentation of our lives like podcasting is. But I, it, it's, it's been a crazy, a bizarre year, it really has. I had some, uh, some trips planned that I had to cancel. So, you know, but that's, that's life. Some of my students have been telling me, Casper, they say, I'm bored, students say all over the world. Well, I say, um, do you, are, are you sick? Do you have the sickness? They say, no. I say, well, I'd rather be bored than get sick. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Oh, I don't know. So. I've, had, I've, had some, I've had some other opinions. I, you'd be surprised. I've had some people say some silly stuff. Well, uh. <laughs> people are weird. There's, been, some, there's wow. been a wide range of answers about that. Yeah, and then you have the people, um, you know, who, who just don't believe in it at all. And that's really, that's scared. those people scare me more than the pandemic itself. So I, I, I don't couldn't know. agree more to that as well. Like. Well, well, you're well, good. Well, you're very well. Since you're so agreeable, we'll, we'll have to have you on the show again. Since, since you think all my opinions are right, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea. So, all right. So, you know, you're hanging in there because of all of these things. So, then you got into teaching assistive technology. Um, as a matter of fact, I volunteered many years ago um, on the island of Saint Lucia, and I taught assistive technology. Um, I, I've really enjoyed teaching that. What, tell us all about teaching, teaching assistive technology. Um, at first, I started off with teaching while I was living in Minnesota. Um, I, was, I got into teaching through a program called I Can Connect. It is through the National Deaf-Blind Equipment Distribution Program, which is partnered with Perkins School for the Blind. Um, they have a program there in Minnesota at many other states too. So um, I got started through that and, you know, I had my first couple of deafblind students and I really, really enjoyed the flexibility and not like actually being confined to one spot. Like, you know, my office was pretty much out of my laptop and my iPad and my phone and I can do whatever I want, wherever I wanted. 
meet with my students at their local training center in Minneapolis. They'd all come over there and I'd get to borrow a room to uh, do an assessment and bring them their equipment to their house and train them again and, you know, go about my business and, you know, live, live my life still, you know. And, you know, that's how it all started. And then I came back to Massachusetts and I started teaching through a different organization. And, well, that place is more stationary and the students would come to me for training. And, you know, it's a, a variety of skill sets and attitudes and things like that, you know. I mean, that's wonderful. So good, Casper. I mean, I'm a pretty um, unusual person. I have a lot of unusual I, I'm 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 a character. You you don't you don't know me yet, but once you scroll through my menu of all the episodes I've done, I've had a lot of interesting conversations from around the world. I've spoken to someone who is now even a retired prison guard. So I've I've spoken to almost everyone from around the world, actually in different capacities, and. Um, <clears throat> Students, including myself, have said some pretty crazy stuff. What was, oh. ho holy moly, what was the craziest thing? Um, let's start with what, what, what was the funniest student, what was the funniest thing that a student said? I mean, did you ever have a student who wanted to sing, um, who wanted to sing Snoop Dogg for you? Oh, no students <laughs> wanted to sing Snoop Dogg. <laughs> um, my students were pretty much like middle age and high, like older. Um, it was a much, you know, an, an older population. Um, but, you know, I had some really interesting encounters over the period of time during teaching, you know. Um, but, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of personalities, that's what's going to happen to you. So you can expect that to happen. Everything is not going to be like super duper perfect, you know. Well, so what is a, what is a something specific that happened? What do you think? Uh, a guy that I was once teaching got mad at me because he thought I wasn't paying attention to him when he was not even talking about why he was there for training. Like, what did he want to do? Like, you know, I asked him, like, what did you want me to teach you? How do you need me to help you? And he got mad at me and and then he started complaining to everybody in the higher ups at the organization. The guy even ran over to the state house on Beacon Hill to complain <laughs> about me at the organization. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy ended up making me kind of famous from over there because now yeah, good. Yeah. the state house wanted to find out what this organization was so that they could support him because of complaining about me. Well, good. <laughs> Well, well, that's a great student then, if they're willing to complain about you so much that you get more business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple, I've had a couple characters on this podcast. I'm not going to get into personalities, but I've had a couple characters who have, you know, pre pretended to complain about my show or say mean things about me. You know what, you, you, you know what I have to say about that? I, I appreciate that because you know what? If you, you criticize other people know about you, <laughs> it, you're just, you're just making me more powerful. You're just making my show <laughs> even better. I you agree. Know, it's so that's actually, you know, one of the deepest things that anyone has ever said about being 
bullied or harassed or, or, or anything or discriminated against in a in the deepest level of philosophy and I certainly don't don't believe it a hundred percent but to some degree I, I get the argument that actually when someone is discriminating against you it's actually serves as a complementary matter for you because mm -hmm. then you're, you're able to simply motivate yourself more so it's kind of it kind of shows why people shouldn't discriminate. But then again, I've had the conversation about why <clears throat> in America, why we face so much, so much, you know, discrimination. And I'll tell you, Casper, I think it's a very simple reason because for people to have lived so long as we have on earth, we've had to be able to discriminate. We've had to be able to tell the difference between people and to be able to yeah. make differences to survive. So, until we come to a point in society where there is no need to be able to tell the difference between things, then we'll always have this problem of discrimination, I think. Personally, I think in the United States, I think there's a lot of discrimination. I think there's a lot of problems. I, find, I mean, I've done a lot of traveling, by the way. I've been to France three times because actually my second language is French. But by the way, what about you? Where overseas have you been? Uh, unfortunately, I have only been overseas maybe twice when I was really, really young and I have no recollect no recollection of that. I see. Where where did you yeah. go? I went to Port au Prince Haiti, my mom's birthplace. Oh, okay. Okay, well that's good. So then so then so then you so then you speak French. I wish I could speak French fluently, but I can't my it sucks i can speak uh haitian creole better than french yeah yeah where they throw in some of the some of the languages of west africa like some of the nigerian yes. language with, so they mix some fulani some yoba with the french yeah yeah i've heard it yes. before yeah yes. and they, they put like a different um they have like an accent yeah i understand i can understand it i understand a lot I mean, I, I understand everything that French people say, but yeah, if they speak the Creolese language, I understand, I get a lot, not all of it, but I get a fair bit of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to study the combination of those languages. Yeah, a lot of the islands did that. They mixed their, their local languages with French or with English. That's quite, quite common. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. well, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Haiti. I've never, I've never been there, um, but I've heard it seems like a very interesting place, along with a very troubling place. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very um, much so. I see. I see. Um, well, that's that is all. That is all very, all very interesting. So, all right, we got we got a crazy student who complained about you, and then that's actually helpful. Um, and then. <laughs> What about just some really fun, I mean, students say just the funniest things. Um, <laughs> so, so oh, man. Like, well, let me, let me give, let me give you a funny one. Let me give you a fun. So I was teaching this one student um, from, from country X somewhere in the universe. And this student of mine, he comes almost every day. He's, he's, he's a bit, he's a bit odd, a bit, str a, a, a bit of a character. So yeah. we were going over, so we were going over nicknames, how, you know, Robert is Bob because Rob rhymes with Bob and Will, Bill, because William, Will, Bill, that whole thing. And there's a whole history behind why they were doing it. Um, and then, 
And then we got to my name. And then he says, so what would you say for Aaron? I said, well, Aaron doesn't really have a nickname. Um, and then he says, well, of course you're, of course you can have a nickname. He says, you can be, you can be run, run. He said. <laughs> run, run. <laughs> yeah. Short for, short for Aaron. Uh -huh. So apparently, apparently that works, but yeah, I mean, a lot of other countries don't really do that. Like nick the nicknames, like the shortened names. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the middle initials and middle names. That's an Americanism, an American thing. Um, a lot of other countries don't do middles, mi middle initials. They just, just, you know, John Smith, you know, you're just, that's just who you are. And yeah. yeah. Mm hmm uh, what about you? Something really funny that a student said to you. Oh my gosh, I've heard so many funny things. I can't even remember. <laughs> um, like a lot of really hilarious things. I'm trying to think. I guess the guy, there was a guy who was um, trying to listen for something. And he, I guess he got confused with chickpeas and thought it was chicken piss. Yeah. And... That was funny. I was laughing so much. And it's like every time I heard the guy talking, I remember what he told me about. Uh, someone told him, look for chickpeas. And he goes, what? Chicken piss? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's a funny word in English, though. Chickpeas. It's, it sounds it sounds kind of strange. So yeah. I, can under, I can understand. Yeah. And I mean, was, was English his first language? Yes. Ah, okay. Well, still. That's, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of blind people around the world like to tell me about their city, where they're living, and what the conditions are. So what can you tell me about um, maybe living near Boston? How is it for blind people in that city? What can you tell me? Um, living in Boston, near Boston, is like, uh, it's a very busy city. Um, well, not now, but before all of this happened, you know, people were out and about heavily. Um, the only way you'll find a blind or visually impaired person walking around freely is if they have gone that route several times. Um, you don't lot, you don't find a lot of us out there just out and about like everyone else, you know, there has to be some sort of reason why they're out, you know. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's nice to run into someone else who is, you know, blind or visually impaired, going out, doing things and, you know, living their life, you know? Okay, well, good, good. So you, so do you feel that probably Boston is a pretty good city for blind people overall? I mean, no, nowhere is perfect, but you think it's pretty good? What do you think? Uh, personally, I think Minneapolis has a better grid-like structure mm -hmm. for a blind person to navigate <clears throat> efficiently as opposed to Boston. Uh, the map, like the map of the city is pretty much like, you know, somebody regurgitated on it. Um, everything is all scattered and crisscrossed over, all over the place. Right, so, right. Well, but yeah. but that reminds me that reminds me of living in England and in England that's how the roads are too every the everything is kind of scattered around and you have to sort of find your way it's less it's less gridded and less organized so yeah. that's how it is in a lot of little english towns which is why they call your part of the country new england mm -hmm. and i was up there a few years ago 
family family situation up there a few years ago. And yeah, it reminded me of England. And then I, I remembered, oh yeah, that's why they call it New England because it is the environment similar to England. It looks like England, the houses look like England, you know, stuff like yep. that. So yep. that's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Minneapolis, I've never been to, that's in Minnesota. I've only yep. heard good, only heard good things. Are you, um, <clears throat> this name I can name drop because he's, he's really cool about it. Um, are you an illegally cited fan, by the way? Legal. On, it, illegally cited on YouTube? Oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a blind, he, he's been on my podcast before, he does a great job. He's a YouTuber, he does a lot with um, IT and, and video games and, He's done a lot of videos about about that about that subject. So yeah, mm -hmm. hmm. I'd have to check this out. Or yeah, he's super famous. Um, or listen to my episode that I recorded with him um, okay. by going through um, my my list. Well, is there any any final hope or final dream? That you want to tell our listeners. We've been speaking for about 45 minutes. We've covered a lot um, in this episode. Um, yes. So is there any final dream or final story you want to tell to really, really, you know, for our listeners to kind of bring it, to kind of bring it full circle? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, for a full, for a full circle, I want to make this a bit more fun. Like, I want to make this fun, like end this off. Wait, you, As, wait a you minute. Know. Wait a minute. You haven't had fun so far? Oh, I have. I just want oh. to keep it like that all the way through. Okay. <laughs> just check it. Um, Jeez, I thought I was a nice guy. I thought this was a positive, positive podcast. Okay. Oh, yeah. You definitely are. <laughs> um, so last week, I guess I had a little bit of fame. It was, you know, just a little tiny thing. And um, I, you know, I mustered up the courage to do a sign language cover of one of my favorite songs of the time right now. It's a good house music song. Um, <clears throat> and I did it and I put it on Instagram and Facebook. And the, uh, the singer of the song, the person who wrote it actually seen it and featured it on her page. And the song is called Finally by CeCe Peniston. And it was pretty cool. I didn't even realize she was gonna even find it. I found I found out that she saw it like the next day after it was done. That's really cool. Really. <laughs> so, do you want to do you want to end by singing that song for us? Oh, nah, I'm good. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that is really cool to be featured like that. I have never been. Um, I have been on other podcasts before, but I have never um, been featured on any. Well, I've had relatively important podcasters come to me a couple of times but over the year but yeah so are, are you interested in podcasting do you have a podcast yourself along with the youtube um i do i have a podcast channel on anchor oh, um, okay. i'm under the same screen name casper c-a-s-p-h-e-r uh, you can go. even find me on apple hmm. um, apple Podcasts and spotify and breaker and overcast and things like that I see. I see. All right. All right. Well, in that case, um, Casper, you are always welcome on my podcast. 
Um, that's about all the questions I have. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that tonight talking to Casper. Let's end it by me saying, I enjoyed talking to Casper, the friendly teacher. I am sure <laughs> that you are always, I know that you're always welcome on Aaron's opinion. And I hope, I hope that I'm welcome on Casper. I hope yes, I'm welcome. Yes, you definitely on, are. I love, in fact, a couple hours ago, I guested on an Italian podcast run by an, an Italian guy. So guesting. That's awesome. Thank you. So guesting, actually, guesting entertains me more than producing because on guesting, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of fun being the guest because you, you, people throw you the questions and then I can come up with interesting answers. So Casper, the friendly teacher, from wherever in the world you're listening to this, have a good day today and a great day tomorrow. Duncan's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion to apply. Limited time offer. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm-mm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's.